Thank you for listening to this artist talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, Fiona Hall explains her work on display in Sappers and Shrapnel, Contemporary Art and the Art of the Trenches. This exhibition is free to attend and is showing until the 29th of January 2017. Fiona Hall represented Australia at the Venice Biennale last year. We were very fortunate here at the Art Gallery of South Australia to have the opportunity to acquire the centrepiece of her Wrong Way Time installation and that centrepiece is hanging in this exhibition as a parade line of very powerful figures, hollow men of war. And that's part of uh, a work, that particular work is called All the King's Men. This, this project was made for Fiona Hall. I, I think I've argued a couple of times that Fiona's been making trench art all of her career under another name, of course. You know, the repoussé sardine tins that Fiona started making in the 1980s share so much with the artillery shells that have been made into extraordinary vases that you'll see in the middle of this exhibition. So without further ado, can you please join me in welcoming and congratulating Fiona Hall. I'd also like to acknowledge that we're, we're, we're on Ghana land um, and I'd also like to say thank you all for coming. It's a huge mob. Um, and next I'd like to say that I received the invitation from Lisa probably, well, the, the year before last now, um, to be involved in the Trench Art Show. Uh, and I immediately said, yeah, I'd really like to, but I'd really like to work with the Jumpy Desert Weavers. Uh, who I'd worked with once previously and in case you're unfamiliar with who and what they are and what they do, after we've talked in here about the work that I've done for this exhibition, we'll be moving next door and one of the artists, Rini Kalacha, is here representing uh, the, 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 the group of artists um, with whom the work was made collaboratively. So. Uh, you'll find out all about them and their very powerful story about what their work is about. Um, but, um, yeah, I thought I'd just talk very briefly about this and then uh, just open it up for any questions. might be interesting than me just trying to explain it all. Um, so, briefly, the invitation came through. Myself and the coordinator who I've worked with uh, who coordinates the Jumpy uh, workshops, Jo Foster, who may be around somewhere, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, she's in um, the back row. She's always in oh, the back cool. row. Jo, at last. <laughs> Good to see you. Um, and um, uh, all of the artists were invited to have a trip to the Canberra Museum, oh, sorry, the Canberra War Memorial Museum to see the work, uh, well, to see Trenchard and indeed the entire museum. And Joe and I went on behalf of the jumpy artists, and it's pretty amazing. It's, it, it's, it's a seriously good museum. Not, it's a good museum per se, not just with its subject matter um, of Australia's sort of military um, history uh, and artifacts from that. Um, and so some of the work that I've made here has actually been driven from some of the things we saw in the museum. And some of this I started to make when we had our workshop in the desert a bit over a year ago where the other work was made. Um, and then uh, I continued to work on and off 
uh, to complete it. So basically everything here, because of the experience of working in the desert, everything here has found material from the desert. Um, and trench art, of course, the, well the original trench art was based upon uh, picking up whatever was available uh, to, to work with and to while away the hours and, and I'm quite sure to try and escape a bit mentally from the, um, uh, the horrors uh, of trench warfare uh, because I think for anyone here who, well it's, it's not just if you make things with your hands but if you become involved in something you get to be in the zone so to speak um, and other, th other things that might be irksome in your life to some degree or other can just fall away for a while while you're involved in that. So I think I understand fairly well what it would be like for some of those pe people in the trenches that made those amazing objects out of whatever was to hand, including biscuits. I think that's my favourite, you know, and the fact that some of them still exist. Um, but of course, uh, everything else about what I've made, aside from the found material, is vastly different, not least the situation in which I made it, which I'd have to admit is a very middle class, sort of mainstream Australian situation. So I could only imagine what being in the trenches would be like. Um, so basically, everything here's got elements from uh, camping in the desert and collecting materials there. Jumpy, which is the, uh, the, the Pitanjara word for um, the, the grass that the jumpy weavers use as a substructure for their work. Um, but also beer cans, beer bottles, part, or parts of beer bottles, broken. Um, there's a lot of burnt, burnt cars in the desert, burnt out cars. And uh, the wire that the crosses are made from came from, oh, it's really wire behind the seating in cars that have been truly torched and, you know, really, really badly burnt. And then the exposed electrical wire. So um, uh, there is that connection materially with the desert, but the work is almost entirely, in other ways, connected with the current... Um, uh, situation in the Middle East um, uh, and, well, stuff we see on the media daily, which we have for the past number of years, um, a war that's, I mean, I think after the First World War, you know, we call it the Great War. It was supposed to be the war that in, ended all wars and I think that the Middle East conflict is there, it, it's there like a wound that won't heal, um, that just has to tell us that war is going to be with us for perpetuity, or that's my perspective on it. Um, and it's hard to know where that conflict will end, but it is, it is very distressing. You know, the images that we've seen coming out in the media, which is what my work has sort of been, been prodded by. Um, uh, and so I, I just found it to be appalling but potent subject to deal with. Um, so much of what I made has turned out to be what are called IEDs, uh, improvised explosive devices. And when Joe and I went on that first visit to the museum, um, 
uh, they had a couple of IEDs on display and I became quite fascinated by them. They were from Afghanistan and I, I, I didn't know of their existence. Um, so here and then further up that uh, and, and they're basically, um, uh, oh, they're, 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 they're more of the landmine kind of IED where there'd be a trip wire and they're wired up and, and some of these things are set off by a mobile phone as well to trigger them. Um, and some of the other IEDs, as I understand, uh, are triggered by, like, because then I spent a lot of time dwelling in Google Images looking at them and um, feeling just mortified. Um, but the terrorist groups are making IEDs out of, say, a tin can, you know, with a couple of wires coming out of the top, or um, a child's soft toy, for heaven's sake. They were some of the... I was just totally shocked when I saw those that are wired up. Things that someone might innocently pick up um, and um, uh, have their leg or their hand blown off or worse. And so when I looked at IEDs on Google Images, of course I saw prosthetic limbs came up in some of those sites. Um, and indeed, shoes can be loaded with explosives. That's a barrel bomb. They're homemade bombs. And, and, you know, I got to thinking after a while, making the work, that um, uh, trench art, in, uh, as we understand from the First World War, was very much about being creative out of nothing. And in the, and in the worst, most evil way possible, you'd have to say that ISIS and some of the other terrorist groups have used an enormous amount of ingenuity to make the IEDs. Um, so it's the polar opposite of trench art. Uh, they're weapons, but they are ingenious indeed, just making them from what, what was available, what is available. Um, the crosses are based on cro crosses from the First World War uh, that are in the that I saw in the war memorial. There's a few crosses, just you know, bits of wood put together, that, that, which wouldn't be classified f as trench art. But I mean, the, the display there is truly fantastic, actually. So that was sort of the driving factor of the crosses, and then the the wire, you know, to make them with from the burnt out cars. And I guess the other thing here that really um, came from that first visit to the War Memorial Museum is the balaclava form hanging here. It's based upon a balaclava on display in the First World War section of the War Memorial Museum in Canberra. And of course the head beneath, well, I don't even want to start talking about those terrible images of beheadings that we've seen um, in recent times. Um, when, I, when I say the first time we went, we actually went a second time uh, earlier this year, uh, and this time with two of the uh, artists who um, have worked on the project that will be talked about after this session, um, because I'd worked with them once previously 
and again with Joe um, as a coordinator and uh, a, a, a work that they, a collaborative work that we did, uh, which the English translation of the Pitanjara title is Animals from Another Time, of Endangered Creatures in the Desert. Uh, and that work became part of my Venice installation. Um, and then that show went to Canberra a few months ago. So two of the artists came to Canberra for the opening and we took them to the War Memorial Museum and that was amazing experience with them and, and the Indigenous Project Officer showing us around. Um, so, oh, and the, the, the overall title of the installation is No Man is an Island, which comes from, as many of you probably know, the very famous John Donne sermon, actually, the Bell Sermon, I think it's referred to, which begins, No Man is an Island, Every Man is Part of the Continent a part of the main, and then it goes on to talk about how if, if, a clod, if a clod's washed away by the ocean, then humankind is the less. In other words, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all equal, and we should realise that. Um, and of course, oh, there's one of the crosses here. Um, one of them that's got, oh, just that text on it. Yeah, here. No man is an island with the... It's also like, you know, a ISIS. There's is and Island. Um, so that was my title for the work. And, and, and I guess the last, the last thing I should say before I ask if anyone's got any questions is um, entirely coincidentally, I was asked to, to be one of the artists sort of invited to submit um, for an extension for the Hyde Park War Memorial in Sydney, if anyone knows it. It's a memorial built post-First World War for the Anzacs and for New South Wales. And they're building a whole new entrance and um, within that complex, um, a, new, a new section. Um, and there's a space called the Hall of Service where they asked artists to submit um, uh, a concept for that and um, I was selected and I've been working with the, some of the historians and various people uh, in a succession of meetings in Sydney on that project and I've learnt a lot about the First World War and I, I grew up in, well, I, I was an adolescent in the uh, Vietnam War period, which I'm, I'm sure that's a, an era shared by some of you here who, who were sort of baby boomers of my generation and, and I, I, I went, my first ever, my coming of age experience really I suppose of politics and war was going to a couple of the anti-Vietnam uh, moratorium marches when I was in Sydney in the, um, uh, when I was in my mid-teens mid-teens and now particularly with the trench, this trench art exhibition and with the War Memorial Project in Sydney it's really brought home to me how how much we, we do need to honour and respect um, those who actually have fought in a war however 
useless we might consider that war to be, um, and however misguided you know we, we think it might be, honouring the people who went, hopefully without all of the cult palaver that seems to be surrounding particularly Anzac Day these days, but just respecting that is really, really important. So here we are on, Rem on Remembrance Day. So anyway, I'll, um, I'll ask if there's anyone who's got anything to say or to ask. Any questions? Cool, yeah. Ah, good question. Um, much of my work is sort of displayed in, well, cases because you could, it's a, it, it brings that kind of museology, you know, aspect to the work. Um, but it's also a convenient way of making work that's sort of quite, quite fragile. Um, and let's face it, we all like to touch things. I'm as guilty. Uh, of that as anybody else that goes into an art gallery. So, so, yeah. so, 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 so you can actually, you know, get close to the work uh, and the work sort of safe. Um, uh, and uh, because of that sort of habit that I seem to have of, 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 of often displaying work like that, because not always, but I often work, you know, three-dimensionally, um, my Venice Biennale installation had a sort of square of cabinetry with... Um, uh, uh, that you, with two, two sides had sort of entry points. So you could look at the cabinets from both sides and then you could walk around and then there was walk, work on the walls on the outer side and there was work inside. Um, so it created kind of like a, a it, it just broke up the space. And this is one side of the cabinetry for Venice that's been repurposed. So the cabinets the same but the, 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 inner, the, inner, the inner fixing for the work that was in here for Venice has been taken out. Um, and um, without wanting to sort of wander into my theme for Venice, my, I called my installation Wrong Way Time, and it really was about, you know, the idea of the world going backwards in so, seemingly in so many ways, um, on so many fronts. Um, and um, the cabinet maker... I got him to actually, uh, he's charred the outside of the cabinet and it just seemed to be perfectly fitting for the trench art work. So that's its history. Yeah. There's one thing I see in that, and I don't know if it was accidental, to me it actually has, which is good for the whole art institution, this is the whole thing, it's got a connotation of an open coffin to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that wasn't part of the thinking, and it had sort of quite solid black shelving inside with stuff on it, you know. So you look at, you know, some of it from one side and some of it from the other. So, and and then it fitted into this sort of whole kind of network of cabinetry. So it would have lost that feeling originally, um, but I did think when I designed it and with the the pointed, you know, centre part. Um, Oh God, I cut, I cut out and I kept years ago of a, just a black and white photograph of um, the entrance to one of the Holocaust camps. I think it was in Poland. 
and it was like this long, low entrance with a central entranceway, and there was something incredibly black and ominous about it. And this is not meant to make any reference at all to that, but I was reminded of that when I designed it with the central section. So that that kind of that coffin-like reading of it that you could have now is a good reading, you know, a very sort of apt reading of it, I think. Yeah. Um, what happened to the poor Maralingara? Yeah, well, um, the, the two times I've worked with the jumpy artists, um, at least one of the artists who's got to work here in this project, um, although she isn't here, was orphaned by Maralinga. Um, we all know well, actually, on that, we, we had a young helper on that workshop, like a Girl Friday, to, <laughs> to make cups of tea for us and stuff. And Marilinga came up in conversation. Um, and she hadn't heard of Marilinga, which is fair enough, because she was just in her mid-20s. But I remember I would have been about nine or ten when it was in the news, you know, just on... My folks used to listen to the, the nightly news on ABC radio. And um, yeah, Maralinga was kind of like something dark there, which I didn't know much about. And then to sort of meet, you know, a couple of the... Oh, there's another um, artist in the desert who, who hasn't worked on the workshops, but who I, I have met briefly, who was also, you know, her family affected by Maralinga. And I also have to say, Rini, our artist here, might talk about it a bit when we move on to uh, the other work. but. We did an interview with ABC TV earlier, and she talked about how every artist involved in that in that project, all their families across the desert, have been changed irrevocably by Maralinga, um, because people got pushed off their lands. The land you can't go back there. Um, the people who some you know people died. Um, so whole you know you could. Let's face it, whole generations were kind of truncated by that. Um, uh, and they live with the aftermath of, of, of that. And for them, it's just, I mean, I don't want to speak for them, but it's just like yet another kind of war front on their land since white colonization. And so when I started to make the work, that was, that was the first cross I made, actually, the Maralinga one. So that's where that came from. Um, yeah, anything else? Anything? Yeah. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about what it was like to go to Venice and represent Australia. I saw your work there, and it was, it's amazing to see it here as well, and sort of see it come home. But I wanted to ask you what that experience was like as an artist. It was such a weird world. It is a weird world, and I tell you what, it's actually, as, as I say when I'm asked, it's, it's an honour to be selected because, you know, it only happens every two years, so there's only X number of opportunities in your working life. And life's like spin the bottle, you know, I had no idea. I just got the phone call, would you like to do Venice? And it's like, yeah. But I knew when I was talking on the phone, oh, time would be my worst enemy to to realise the work, and indeed it was. It, it's um, a fantastic opportunity. It's gruelling. Um, 
it's um, fortunately you only get one go at it. I don't think, I, I seriously don't think, well actually if someone said to me, oh would you like to do Venice, you know, with Tracy Moffat this time who I know, go Tracy. But um, if someone said to me, oh would you like to do another Venice, I, I, of course you'd say yes, well if you're stupid because it's very enticing. Um, uh, but I, I could say it was, it was actually such a great experience. Um, but it is such a weird place, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's not like going to any of the other Biennales and I was in, it was 2012 or 2013, I was in Documenter in Germany which happens only every five years and I think of Documenter as being, it's a very Germanic, very serious show whereas Venice, everyone wants to go to Venice because Venice is such a beautiful city so invariably it takes on this whole kind of party atmosphere um, and that's sort of quite unsettling as well. Um, but it was great and I had, I had excellent, you know, at the time that I was, when I was physically there, just, and I went back for the deinstallation, just such fantastic conversations with people, you know, um, uh, to see the work and uh, for people who don't know, Venice, uh, the Australian Pavilion keeps numbers, I think quite a few of them do. We had um, just under 700,000, just under 700,000 visitors, that's the kind of numbers that go to Venice. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was good. I, I, that's not, I can't talk for very long about it because we don't have very long but I, I don't know if that really answers your question but it's like, yeah, it was great but I'm glad I've been there. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not, I'm not aiming towards it now, you know. I'm glad that's not what's in my immediate future. Um, it's good to get up. And the other thing is, uh, it just, you know, like I, th I think for a lot of artists when you do, you know, what turns out to be a fairly major work and a, and a major deadline to reach, then you're left thinking, oh, what's next? So you kind of have, well, it's not a totally clean slate because you, none of us reinvent ourselves even though in lots of ways we might desire to. Um, uh, but it is a way of um, having to sort of uh, reassess where you're at with your career and that's quite a healthy thing. So from a personal perspective I think that's a good outcome of Venice too. So if you have anything else you want me to ask, to answer about it, I'm happy to answer it. So. Fiona's really been very idle since Venice. <laughs> she hasn't done a thing. All right. Thank you. Can you join me in thanking and congratulating Fiona Hall? That's so great.